Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. We explore popular practices, songs, and ideas of the modern church world in light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects. You can go buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. You can join in the discussion of the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. John, that's all your fault for all those syllables. Uh, you can do that on Facebook. 284 members strong at this point. How about it? You can support the show at anchor.fm. Even a dollar a month helps. And make sure you subscribe and comment. Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. I am joined in person by... Hey folks, it's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church, Greer, South Carolina. And the gang is all back together. And as usual, via the interwebs, we are joined by... Elwood, we're getting the band back together. The band, (laughs) Elwood, the band. Uh, This is John Ross. Westminster effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, uh, uh, absolutely uh, bedraggled from Lincoln, Nebraska. Yesterday was a heck of a day with some work stuff. Oh, bless uh, so, your heart. Uh, happy bedraggled. to Yeah, isn't that a isn't that a word? Uh, happy yeah, to uh, from Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, happy to take some uh, some time to uh, to switch gears this morning. Very cool, and also via the internet, I'll. I'll give you the name and how we met and all that good stuff. We have one Mark Dewey. Uh, we met at the Fight, Laugh, Feast ca- conference uh, last month at this point. Uh, he hosts in the bullpen. He did some time in the major leagues and all that good stuff. But Mark, welcome to the podcast. And the floor is yours to kind of introduce yourself uh, a little more. And then we'll just kind of jump in. All right. Well, it's great to be here, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, my name is Mark Dewey. I am married, been married for a little over 30 years now. <clears throat> We've been blessed to raise or are still in the process of raising 14 children. We have seven grandchildren, Lord willing, in the next few months. We'll have two more added to that list. And as you mentioned, I once played baseball, also coached for a lengthy period of time in professional baseball. And now I do a podcast on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, as well as uh, biblical exhortations Monday through Saturday that are up on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network uh, site. And I'm involved with Athletes Abroad for Christ, which is a ministry that in the past we have gone abroad. That obviously has changed a bit in in these last couple of years, but we do Bible studies and and various things trying to uh, encourage and and lead people to a, a deeper understanding of scripture, in particular people within the realm of professional baseball, but not entirely. We include, include people that are not in baseball at all and people that are in baseball at other levels other than professional baseball. Very cool. <laughs> I'm just not over the 14 children thing. The uh, You're Presbyterian, right? Uh, <laughs> only, only you would make that. <laughs> what does that have to do with W? It's it's either Presbyterians or Finns. Yeah, Finnish <laughs> Finnish people around here just have a billion kids. So it's the Presbyterians and Finns shall inherit the earth for they shall outpopulate everybody. <laughs> yeah, just just by just by sheer odds. Just by odds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so athletes broad for Christ, you're focusing on baseball and and equipping those guys uh with the word um i've done some coaching of my own at the high school and middle school level 
And even, even in a Christian school, it's just like, you got so many guys who are there just because their parents kind of threw them in that school because it was better than the public school down the road. And so just because they're in that particular environment, it's, they might not be rooted, uh, which seems to be the case with a lot of athletes, honestly, uh, we kind of had a conversation at the conference about how baseball is downstream from culture. Culture is downstream from the church. And that just seems so, in, so appropriate, you know, with, with the fact that so many athletes have such shallow thinking about God, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. And, and it is, I mean, again, as you said, downstream from our culture, there are a lot of people in our culture, especially if you live in the kinds of areas that we live, that profess faith in Christ, and obviously I can't judge their hearts, but when you look at their theology, you say, okay, there needs, at the best case situation, there needs to be a lot of work here. And so it's our goal, that's our goal, and it's always been our goal uh, with Athletes Abroad for Christ to, to try to lead people into a greater and deeper understanding of the Scripture. And in that process, sometimes people themselves realize, you know what? I was making a profession of faith for a long time, but I've never really possessed saving faith and they've come to saving faith. But primarily, you know, we're not going to be a popular ministry in the sense of we're not going to have large numbers because we're looking for men who want to be committed to understanding the convictions that ought to be held from the teaching of the scriptures and then the courage to live those out. And quite honestly, that's not an easy combination to come by. Um, so even to get people into it, to try to move them in that direction, or at least move them more in that direction is a bit of a challenge for sure. How, how does the athletes abroad ministry work? Like what, how, how are you coming in contact with athletes and then what are you inviting them to do or participate in? Well, let me, I got to kind of answer that in a twofold way. So athletes abroad for Christ began in I think 1997. And we did a number of things early on in the ministry that we're less capable of doing now, including we spent time in Australia, um, and, and Chris Bando and myself are the two main people that are involved in, in run and, and handle Athletes Abroad for Christ. We spent time in Australia. Uh, I was kind of a pitching coach. I also pitched, and I was the chaplain there. So I did uh, Saturdays every week, we did chapels, and then one night during the week, I don't remember which night it was, at the hotel there that all of the non-Australian players were staying in Bible study every week. Uh, Chris mm -hmm. Bando and I also worked uh, in an independent league together. Same thing. I was kind of a pitching coach, pitcher, chaplain leader. So it was more broad then. We had a, a conference, kind of a, a conference with baseball people back in the 90s, and we hope to do that again. We hope at least to get that far. Now, with all the things that have happened in the last two years, basically on Mondays and Fridays, we have a Bible study via Zoom, which has people from all over the country. And one guy was joining us when he was playing winter ball in Venezuela last year. Uh, and then we, Chris Bando sends out a devotion, a biblical devotional every morning. And then my um, biblical exhortation, which is on the Fight, Laugh, Feast app, that goes out Monday through Saturdays. We're hoping again Matter of fact, I think I'll be heading to Dallas, Texas here in a couple of weeks. We're hoping again to get more involved face-to-face. -face. That's been much more yeah. difficult the last couple of years. But we're hoping to move back in that direction. Gotcha. John, you, you look pensive. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if I, I cut out there. 
And, uh, you did cut out a little bit. You, you, you cut out a little bit, but uh, but yeah, completely, uh, completely uh, uh, understandable. Uh, no, you know, I, I just kept finding myself thinking about how valuable a resource something like this this would be. I mean, you know, our uh, uh, our listenership knows that for for the most part, I'm not a uh, not a huge uh, sports fan. In that, it's not that I enjoy I don't enjoy it. It's that I have a hard time following you know the stats and you know the the you know the games on television. Just like, but. Uh, one thing I, I, I do know is that so many athletes, especially in the minors, they bounce between teams every year. And how difficult it would be, even if they wanted to, to get plugged in to a local church to be able to, you know, kind of have someone walk with them and shepherd them through their uh, through their process. Yeah, you broke up a little me a little bit on me there but I think I got the gist of what you were saying. And that's something that I failed to mention that has always been a focus of Athletes Abroad. And that is trying to stress the absolute importance of the local church and for guys who spend basically from February, well, let's say minor leaguers, March through September, usually away from their home and their home church, how they need to be accountable to and in consistent contact with the elders at the church that they're members of, and then also how they may they need to make it a priority each week to gather together for worship. So that's one of the things we stress because in baseball, probably more than any other sport because of how often it's played, it is very easy for people to basically to say, ah, you know, I play baseball, I'm playing five, six, seven days a week, depending on the, the schedule, and you know, I'm just not going to make it to worship. One of the things we stressed is, no, that's got to be a priority. We know it's difficult yeah. sometimes, right? And it's got to be a priority. So like even in my own life, especially lately, I'm old, so I haven't played in a long time. But when I was coaching, I would make it a priority. And, and uh, John, you'll appreciate this because sometimes depending upon when I had to be as a, a pitching coordinator at the ballpark, I very often went to a Missouri Senate Lutheran church because I know I'm going to get faithful word and sacrament stuff going on. And they typically have an eight o'clock worship service in most cities. You yep. can find a Lutheran, yeah. right? So I often was I was often in a Lutheran church to worship. Yeah, it's hard. So it's hard to find to good. That. It's hard to find good Christians, but we'll take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, that, I mean, that's so good to hear too. Uh, you, I did the travel ball thing a long time ago before I kind of before I reformed before I figured out. Oh yeah, I really do need to be here like all the time, <laughs> kind of thing, and and I see so many, uh, you know, in the baseball world, and then of course in the church world who just treat church attendance of, ah, I don't feel like going today. It's rainy out, uh, or you know, we'll just we'll just stay at the lake today or whatever, and whether it's watching or just outright not caring, uh, that's that's something I've been kind of a burden for here lately. I, well, I have a 12-year-old son who plays baseball. I won't call it travel ball because it's in the area. I guess technically it is because it's not Little League. But here's the thing. And I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan area, okay? a highly Dutch-reformed area. I was brought up in the Lutheran Church. Um, and I'm, not, I'm obviously not a Sabbatarian, or I would have never played professional baseball. I'd never coach in professional baseball. Mm -hmm. But I was just having this conversation the other day. You know, when I was growing up, you... You are not going to have anything scheduled on Wednesday night or Sunday. Yeah. 
That's right. You, it, what, and the reason was is because the people that were running the athletic program realized nobody's going to show up. Right. Now, now my son, every, every Sunday almost, they have games in the morning. Now, he doesn't go. Yeah. But I just, mm-hmm. I just realized that, you know, these, these travel ball leagues can schedule this because they know everybody's going to go play baseball instead of gathering for worship. And I live in an area in which the vast majority of people go to church, generally speaking, but boy, they'll pass that up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, little Johnny, who's 11 years old, plays in some kind of a tournament on Sunday morning, you know, hoping that Vanderbilt offers him a full ride or something. I'm not sure exactly what, but it really shows how much things have changed as it regards culturally, or at least in in the culture of Christianity, broadly speaking, Things have changed from when I was growing up to now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah we, and, I, and I think, go ahead, I think please. that, oh, sorry, John, uh, I think that gets into even your podcast and your messaging within that. It's not, and this is why I'm telling, you know, our, our non-sports fans like Kyle, my circuit board layout guy who just does not care about sports. And he's like, well, I guess I won't listen to this one. This is why you need to listen to this one <laughs> is it's all connected. Uh, it's not in the bullpen. Isn't just a baseball podcast, and those are fine. Uh, you know, I think of you know Buster Olney or John Boy or, or whatever. Um, but this is explicitly baseball and Christian worldview, right? And, and so, yes. kind of walk us through your mindset with that. Well, you know, you talk about it. Well, first of all, it's a weekly podcast, whereas to baseball right. fan anywhere, anyway, my podcast was drops early Monday morning. Might get them up to speed on something that happened Sunday if they weren't paying close attention. But I'm going to be way behind everybody else. So from just a purely pragmatic standpoint, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But more important than that, I do believe that Jesus is Lord of all, that there's not a square inch that he hasn't stamped mine. And so therefore, we can't look at anything, including Mm -hmm. baseball, and act as if it's somehow disconnected from the Lordship of Christ. So I'm always looking for some kind of a theme or some kind of a thread to run through the podcast, in which I'm covering baseball news, but I'm trying to do so in a way that connects somehow kind of an overall theme for that week's podcast, that week's episode, and tying it into Scripture, the Lordship of Christ, obedience, whatever it might be. And so I I, I work through that during the course of the week. I'm following the news. I'm seeing what's going on, and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to take that actually did happen in this past week And how am I going to tie it together in a way that either encourages believers, rebukes believers, whatever it might be, to try to get a message bigger than baseball? And again, I thank God that we can enjoy baseball. It's a wonderful gift from him, but we need to understand it is a gift from him. It ought, ought to result in us thanking him, but it also, when we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that would include how we watch and think about Major League Baseball. I mean, just like any gift, I mean, we need to be we need to be good stewards of it. I mean, it's not just it doesn't stop with just uh, you know finances or or personal property or even relationships. Uh, but you know, when we start to think of of our activities as something that we also need to be stewards of, man, you know, I and I'm sure you've seen this how drastically that can change our our outlook uh, and in our approach. Uh, with how we uh, how we address our hobbies and how we address uh, even our interactions with others during that, yeah, that's that's a, a fantastic thought to uh, uh, to happen upon. Mark, um, <clears throat> when you think about uh, you know, I, I love what you said about there's not one square inch that over which Christ isn't Lord. Um, we live in a very individualistic society. 
And it, it, to me as a pastor, it seems very hard at times to disciple people towards thinking themselves of themselves as part of a whole. I'm part of a body. I, I need the body. And therefore I need to go to worship on the Lord's day. I need to be accountable in a local church. And, and I, I understand the sort of pragmatic obstacles that being a professional athlete might present to that, but how do you find athletes? Are, are they different in the sense that, you know, being a part of a team, team sport, at least, I mean, not all athletes are in team sports, I understand, but being, being on a team, does that, does that lend itself to teaching or opening their minds to the kingdom and, and what it means to be a part of the body of Christ? And um, are, are, are some of those things helped and, and buoyed and, and reinforced uh, being a part of team sport? I mean, I'm just thinking like how you talked about taking baseball news and tying it in or letting it um, lead you to, to talk about things related to the gospel, the Lordship of Christ. I, I don't know if that question makes sense, but hopefully it does. Okay. Well, the short answer is yes, but then extended it's yes, but I do believe that it would have been more true in the past than it is today. And that brings us back to some of the things we've already discussed. Travel ball and showcase ball, even a game that's such a team sport like baseball, it has become much more individualized because it's mm. about me marketing, showing my skills to get that college scholarship or to get drafted. And, mm. and because we've had a whole generation of players that have grown up in that, it is much more difficult, even at the major league level, to have people that put team before self, right? We're mm. all selfless anyway, so we all have to battle that. But like Craig Council, the manager for the Brewers, when I was working with the Brewers, and I don't, I don't think he probably came up with this terminology, but he would talk about the fact that there's a big difference between playing with one another and playing for one another. Yeah. Well, you're on this team. You don't have any choice if you play with those guys around you. The question is, are you playing for them? Mm. And I believe he's a very good manager. He's a very good leader of men. But I believe that instilling that is part of the reason why the Brewers have had so much success since he's been the manager. And again, he's not, I don't think, consciously trying to convey a Christian message, but he's doing so, right? Sure. Calvin said, you know, we go back to the church. Calvin said there's a difference between a collection of like-minded individuals and a covenant community, Yep. right? That's yep. a difference of going to church with people and going to church for the glory of God and for one another. Yeah. We, live in a, we live in a day in which a lot of times we're involved in churches because there's just a, pe a bunch of people that think like us, at least for the next few months. Yep. And, and it's not, it's not we're, we're a covenant community. We are in covenant together. We're a family of believers. And so, again, what we see in the church, I, I see the same thing in baseball. So, so it, it is important, and it is, it is a starting point that I think is easier in baseball, right? Yeah. But it's not as it is not as readily easily as it would have been, say, twenty, thirty years ago. Have right. you seen an impact from name, image, likeness stuff at point? Is that? I'm sorry. Say that again. I, I, uh, I, I was I was I was wondering if you had seen any sort of I, I don't know impact from name, image, likeness, and how. I mean, I know I know you're talking about athletes already thinking individually about getting scholarships and whatnot, but um, 
there's something about college athletics that to me has felt so pure and uh, um, and this seems to be, I don't, I don't know, but there's so many, so many points of view on that subject. Yeah. And I've not spent a lot of time around college ball in the last decade or so. I agree okay. with you. Like, even when I think back about my college ball, it, it is that level in which it seems that all of the good things come together more readily than at other levels for multiple reasons. Um, I have not been around college baseball much to speak of in the last decade or so, so I'm not able to speak too much as to what's going on in that okay. in that venue now. Yeah, you know, with the with the name, image, likeness, and that kind of thing, and uh, it kind of gets to some of the generational conversation gap that we're experiencing right now, right? Uh, where Mark, you talk about on your podcast, you're not a big fan of of the bat flips and some of the showboating. Uh, I think the name image likeness stuff kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of that. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, being, being 34, um, I remember, uh, who was it? Was it, uh, Carlos Gomez? I think it was who got screamed at by Brian McCann all the way around the bases years ago. <laughs> and McCann didn't let him touch home plate. <laughs> Because <laughs> he blocked it on on this home run, and it was, and you know, being a Braves fan, like I'm just you know losing my mind at a at a fight, and and shout out to my mom who loves herself a good baseball brawl. <laughs> Which I'm sure you could see that, Bradley, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, like that was what ten years ago, and now it's let's flip my bat into the third row, <laughs> you know, uh, where you know. I'm not quite as bothered by some of the exuberance, um, you know, particularly with, I think of guys like Acuna who, uh, Ronald Acuna, where, you know, at first, you know, he didn't run as hard out of the box and that's gotten straightened out, but you can tell he's having fun. Mm -hmm. And so how do we bridge that gap generationally, uh, between, you know, your 20 year olds who love the bat flips, your 50 year olds who don't love the bat flips. And then your guys who are 34, 35 ish, who sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's not, you know? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, somebody else at the conference was running a camera. He thinks the Savannah and bananas are just the greatest thing. And it's oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, if you're, if you, if you're talking about entertainment, I, I won't argue with you. I'm asking, is that baseball? And is it actually developing baseball fans? And my, right. my argument would be, no, it's not. Now, a couple of things. First of all, and I, Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of my favorite guys to watch. It was very sad that he went down with that injury this year. A couple things. I believe there's a big difference between passion and performance or passion and excitement and trying to show somebody else up. Passion for what mm -hmm. happened and look at me, look at me, look at me. Secondly, mm -hmm. I got one of the privileges I had when I was the assistant pitching coordinator and pitching coordinator with the Brewers is I made multiple trips to the Dominican Republic. I will always give Latino players more wiggle room than I will guys from the United States because as a rule, they are far more passionate. They are far more expressive of their emotions. Mm. So two of my favorite pitchers I ever had when I was the assistant coordinator and coordinator with the, the Brewers, were both Latino guys who had all sorts of fire in their belly. I love that. But I tried to say you're standing in the center of the diamond, and there are times in which that fire burns out of control, and even if you don't intend it, you, you're showing up other people, and even if you don't intend it, 
it may result in some of your own teammates getting hurt. So the issue is, is this, like I said one time, I think it was with, with Gabe Branch, I was on his show. I said, you know, if I was pitching when Jose Batista did his famous bat flip when he hit the home run for the Blue Jays, I said, I would not have been upset about that bat flip, even though that kind of thing I don't like because it was raw emotion, right? Right, yeah, raw. right. Now, if the next year I had been traded to the Blue Jays, and, you know, of course, everybody in the clubhouse would be trying to start us to get in a fight in a friendly way because of mm. what he did to me the year before, I would tell Jose Batista that. But I would also say this, and this is, I think, the key about what it means to be a man, is you learn to control your passions and emotions when that's right, the right thing to do. Right, right. now, we're saying, let them do whatever they want. right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say, it wouldn't have upset me for Jose Batista to do the bat flip he did. I would hope, however, it never happened again because that was a time where he just let go yeah. But after the fact, I would hope that he would say, you know what? I got to make sure if something like that happens again, I control myself. And I, and again, I see a connection here. I see a connection with let them do whatever they want. Let them express their emotions. Let the kids play. And then we wonder why when we feed that to them over and over and over again, why some of these same men go home and beat their wives or girlfriends hmm. or commit heinous stuff with women. Mm. I, I can't disconnect. Do what you want. Let the kids play. Let your emotions flow. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do these things and then say, oh, but wait, over here, we got a different set of rules. I think That's they so go true. together. That's so true. And, and there, there's that direct connection to the church again. Mm. Dang it, Mark. <laughs> uh, where, you know, we, we're in the, this podcast kind of started as a worship leading podcast and then just kind of morphed into anything that touches local church life. Um, where, you know, being in the worship guitar world, you have a lot of just do whatever, just do whatever you quote unquote feel God telling you to do kind of thing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're at a church that's, uh, I'd say more expressive than like a, like an OPC church. <laughs> like we have plenty of hand raising and that kind of stuff, but we don't have people swinging from the rafters. <laughs> right. Um, if, if I'm playing guitar on a Sunday and I just start rolling around on the stage, I'm going to get a stank look from Bradley. <laughs> you, haven't done the Ang- you haven't done the Angus Young impersonation? <laughs> no, he, he will get a power stance going, though. Yeah. There's no, there's no a, doubt a he will get a power, power stance. stance no, Bradley, that, that's, just because, that's just because Cody's knees don't work right anymore. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, not, that's not power stance. He just can't bend them. Can't bend them yeah. anymore. That's right. You know, yeah, exactly. I, I think this, this almost even plays into a little bit uh, you know, the, uh, the guidance that we see in the epistles of guarding one another's conscience, uh, is, is well, um, you know, we see so often, I mean, you, you alluded to, uh, uh, well, uh, actually you, you spoke directly to it, uh, but how so much emphasis, whether it be in, in baseball or other professional sports or in the church, so much emphasis is put on that vertical relationship, whether it be, um, between you and God, or you and the league, or you and the recruiters, or you and so on and so forth. It's always it's always this, even in the workplace, and everything's become so individualistic that we're almost encouraged to lose sight of those on our left and our right in that horizontal relationship, which we know to be the body of Christ, but so many others do not. Sorry about the squeaky door, and. 
that's that's so detrimental to to not only our witness certainly uh but just our lives uh together i definitely resonate with that i think there's such a i've said this many times before if you're a coach who is a christian and you think missionally that is such a pastoral kind of role uh i mean just to hear you mark talk about the opportunity to teach men about controlling their emotion, which, it, which is such a, it's such a gospel-centered idea uh, to think about self-control as being one of the fruits of the spirit. Is that we're not, we're, we 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 are not people who live according to the flesh. We live according to the spirit, and just the the kind of pastoring, mentoring, discipling that you can do as a coach. Um, I it's in some ways, honestly, Mark, I envy it as a pastor. I get people 75 minutes a week for the most part. And a coach gets this little church of people. I, I don't know if you could call them a church. They're not all saved. I understand that. But there, there's a little congregation that you get to meet with almost on the daily and through the avenue of sport and all of the the ways in which that brings raw emotion to the surface and brings you know questions about life and discipline and and all of that to the surface it seems like such a great opportunity to make disciples i love what you're doing it really yeah it really is now right now for the last two years i've not been coaching and so i've met and that's what i miss because yeah. professional baseball you are together almost every day and there's a lot of downtime so like if you're the home right? You'll take batting practice first. And so when you're done with batting practice and you're off the field and the other team is out there, you've got an hour and a half or two hours of not much going on. And so there's all sorts of time to just engage in organic conversations. The other thing is because you're, you're around each other every day, you're traveling with one another, everybody gets to see the other person when they've had something go really, really well for them. And when they were just terrible. And so you get to see really the person. Yeah. And so whether it's believers or unbelievers, there are, are opportunities almost daily for conversations that can have tremendous benefit. And the other thing about mm-hmm. baseball people, people that put on a uniform, they, they can be all over the spectrum of where they are, Christian, non-Christian, anti-Christian, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever. But there's something about people that put on a uniform every day and go to work as a baseball player that you can have good conversations with people even when they are on the total opposite end of the spectrum of you, whether that's from a Christian's perspective, a political perspective, whatever it might be. And it, and it really, it is. It's a, it's a, I would say the military might be the one other place that would yep. be like it or better mm-hmm. than it. Mm-hmm. But baseball and the way that it's set up professionally is just, it's a wonderful uh, avenue to encourage believers and to be a testimony, very clear testimony to the unbelievers. And yeah, I found in my experience. There's that shared identity. Yes. There's that shared identity. It's like, you know, we're both wearing stripes. You know, we're we're equal in each other's eyes, right? And so when when you approach a situation or a conversation or a topic uh, with uh, with that sort of uh, of uh, of equity with one another, uh, the, it, it breaks down so many uh, 
so many barriers, regardless of, of topic. I mean, we talked about this uh, a week ago or two weeks ago on on the show on how music is uh, is a very personal thing. Someone's athletic performance is a very personal thing. Someone's faith is a very personal thing. And having hard conversations about personal things are hard. But when you have that shared identity, whether it be the uh, uh, whether it be the identity of of uh, of the people of Christ within the local church, whether it be on a on a team, whether it be in a platoon or a squadron, uh, yeah, you can definitely see those parallels play themselves out. Good stuff. Shall we move on to the Inquisition then? <laughs> sure. <laughs> he liked that. Since, yeah. Since this is via the internet, I think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> just don't open. Just don't open your door. You'll see a guy in a red hat. Just. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the Inquisition, where you, the listener, contribute directly to the show. You ask us questions, we answer them on the fly, and you submit those questions via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. And as is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, who says, it seems like there's a high concentration of Christians in Major League Baseball. What does the life of a Christian look like during the baseball season? We talked a little bit about this, but he says church attendance, evangelism, discipleship, etc. And then one Pam Fields, that's my mom, so shout out to Madre, uh, says, in addition, what's the biggest challenge or temptation that faces Major League Baseball players? So on the first question, there are a number of things that take place within the game. So for instance, since I believe the 60s, there's been an organization that is known as Baseball Chapel. And it has had access into clubhouses and they've done Bible studies and the like, unlike anything else. As a matter of fact, a group of guys like Mike Piazza and some others started a, a Catholics for Christ kind of thing. But basically, for the last 50 or so years, Baseball Chapel has had access to go into the clubhouse, to have a chapel service on Sunday mornings. Some, some will do it on Saturday nights or Saturday afternoons. And there have been other ministries that lead Bible studies and the like to minister to the people that are in professional baseball. One of the downfalls of that is that so many guys think that going down in their flip-flops and their shorts for a 20-minute chapel service on Saturday night or Sunday is gathering for worship. They kind of see that as their church during the season. That's a challenge. I, I always had a hard time when Christians would say, well, you know, I, it's just too hard to get to worship on Sunday, given our schedule. I said, well, I, I grant you that it's harder than when we don't have our schedule, but it's funny to me how if we're in Miami and to play at a really nice golf course, you'll get up at five o'clock in the morning to go out and golf uh, before you go to the ballpark later that afternoon. So mm-hmm. if you've got the time and the ability to do that, you surely have the time and the ability to gather for worship. Now go ahead mm-hmm. and remind me again of what your, your mom, your mother's question was. Uh, what's the biggest challenge or temptation big league ball players face? <clears throat> I would say the biggest is, is, Nobody really understands what it's like to live my lifestyle, and that's another reason why I'm going to gather for Bible studies and chapel services with a bunch of guys that do know what I'm going through. Or in some of the cases, the Bible studies, let's say during spring training, 
It's the men and their wives. And we all understand one another. Nobody out there really knows what we have to go through. And I will grant you, it can be very, very difficult, right? So if you're playing for the Oakland A's and the trade deadline is approaching, and on July 31st, you get traded to the New York Yankees, okay? The A's and the Yankees don't say, hey, take your time getting here to New York. They get you on a plane and get you to New York. Well, if your wife and four children are in Oakland, what are they going to do? Right? There's, there's a lot there. I get that. But the biggest challenge, in my opinion, is this idea that, that the body of Christ can't identify with us because of what we do. I don't buy that at all. Then the second biggest thing would be don't get caught up in, in the celebrity mindset. You've got to have the understanding that, you know what, if I go to this or that place, I'm putting myself in a compromising position at best, right? And mm-hmm. so you've got to say, I, I can't be cool and godly at the same time. And I need to know that, yeah, this might be the cool thing to do. And I might get all sorts of, of for going to place A, B, or C after the game tonight, but it's probably a dangerous place to go, even if it's not in and of itself sinful. So I'm not going to go there. And a lot of guys get caught up in the I need problems. Mm. Did we lose him? Oh, there we go. You caught up. Okay. Uh, next question from Ferenc Zindeli, all the way from Hungary, and he still hasn't told me how to properly pronounce his name, but that's just tradition at this point as well. Uh, and I think this is kind of a pertinent question with us being both in the Bible Belt and in College Football Central. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he asks, are sports idolatry? <laughs> and I'll, I'll couple that with the fact that Bradley and I are both lifelong Clemson football fans. We're not having a good time right now on Saturdays, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I took, uh, I took my wife to her first real Clemson game. We, we did one, you know, against like Georgia state in the upper deck years ago, you lose all the noise up there, but it was Trevor Lawrence's freshman year and is the first ACC game of the year against Duke. And we somehow landed really good tickets. So we got all of the noise and about 15 minutes then she looks at me and goes, is this a cult? (laughs) 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 You you get the fight songs and you know, they're running down the hill and you know, you got all it. It's a liturgy. Yeah. Uh, I was just about to say there is, there is a liturgy uh, to, to this stuff. Yeah. and so Farrick asks, are sports idolatry? And I, I think, yes, they can be, mm-hmm. uh, but go yeah, ahead. I, I think the, uh, I think the, the, the step to take it there might be, might be easier than with, with, with other things. Um, you know, uh, scheduling, uh, you know, for, for one, uh, certainly whenever, whenever you make a decision, uh, to do something else other than join the community and in the body of Christ and worship. I mean, you're certainly making steps, if not a choice, towards um, uh, really that that position of of idolatry. But there's there's the fanaticism uh, that and the passion that follows that follows these uh, really follow these sports fans that. Uh, you know, I, I live in Nebraska, right? And so I live in Lincoln. I have a five-minute drive from Memorial Stadium where the Cornhuskers play. Uh, they've uh, they've not had a good ride 
We'll, we'll, we'll say it and say it that way. Uh, but the amount of passion and vitriol that shows up on posts or uh, comments on newspaper articles or, or what have you um, is is people really putting their viewpoints uh, on this uh, just even above common courtesy to one another, let alone uh, devotion to uh, devotion to the the church and uh, and, and really allowing those uh, those fruits of the spirit to to, to resonate and present themselves. Uh, yeah, I, I certainly see I certainly see the slippery slope there. Yes, I would say it definitely can become idolatry, as can anything, right? Yeah. So there's no doubt about that. And I also do think that it often reflects that it has become idolatry. And, yeah. and, and, and again, if I'm, a, if I'm you guys and I'm a lifelong Clemson football fan and they have a horrendous year this year, I'm not going to become an Alabama football fan, <laughs> right. right? Because I'm devoted to Clemson. But then you look at people who have spent 10 or 15 years in a particular church as members of a particular church and something happens that they don't like or isn't very enjoyable, and how quickly are they then to abandon that church and go to another one? So yeah, you can yep. see that we have greater devotion to our college football team or our Major League Baseball team than we do to the Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, we talk about the church broadly, right? Oh, yeah, I'm devoted to the church, Christendom kind of broadly, but what about the elders who have poured their lives into my souls for the last, or my soul the last 10 or 15 years, and now something happens— not that they're being heretical, not that they're guilty of sin or anything right. like that, mm-hmm. but that I don't like. What do I do? I, I just see you. I'm going yeah. somewhere else. Don't drop microphones. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I might, like I might start swinging from chandeliers now. I mean, that's absolutely right. I, I, I would say transparently that um, that is the most difficult thing about being an elder pastor to me and, is that um, – People, you know, like Cody mentioned, we're in the Bible Belt, and I could throw a rock and hit ten churches from my church parking lot. Um, and so, if something happens they don't like, or or another church scratches an itch that we're not scratching, they switch churches like they would restaurants. And uh, oh, the food's better over here, so I'm going to go over there. And and it's not to say that I I don't think some preference matters when it comes to where you're rooted in a local church but you know to to prioritize that over our sense of being rooted and connected and accountable all these things that we've been talking about this entire podcast um just to to try to lead professional baseball players to think more deeply about being connected and rooted in a local church or gathering with believers for worship uh, not just showing up in flip flops for a chapel before a game, that that that's right. And I think you know, I think COVID has helped us at least ask some better questions about what it means to be the church gathered, what it means to be connected, uh, because we had that at least in part taken away from us for a period of time. Uh, we could not physically gather, and uh, so I don't. I, I agree with you. I think that's a big thing. Um, I'm going to have to go, but I wanted to ask Mark a question that uh, I'll add to the Inquisition if I can. By all means. By all means. <laughs> um, uh, so this is such so non-spiritual, Mark. This is a totally non-spiritual question. 
Uh, I was watching a Braves game not that long ago, and I don't remember who the pitcher was. Uh, I don't even remember who the Braves were playing. But Freddie Freeman was up to bat. And apparently the night before, the, the other team had hit, or Braves had hit some guy on a team, on the team they are playing. And the, and the pitcher, he throws one, obviously throws it at Freddie. It, he misses him, goes behind his back, hits the backstop, and Freddie just kind of looks, and, everybody, and the announcers are going, oh, oh, here it is, whatever. And the very next pitch, he throws it at Freddie and hits him right in the ribs. Now, Freddie handled it like a true gentleman. Uh, they threw the pitcher out, and you know, it, it, there wasn't a bench clear or anything, but there was, there was jawing going on. It, like I've always been so fascinated about that sort of unwritten rule that a, you, you, a, team, a pitcher hits a guy, then at some point there's going to be reciprocation. There almost has to be, right? Like, what's your perspective on that as a former major league pitcher and coach? Well, I'll try to make this as brief as possible since you have to go. Okay. Um, it, it is, there are times in which that's what's expected. And I personally believe that it ought to happen. I, I had a situation when I was playing with the Pirates, the Cubs did something to us. I don't remember what it was. And Mark Grace let off the next inning. And our pitcher was a younger pitcher. So he was a little bit amped and he threw one pitch up and in that missed him. Then he threw a pitch behind him that missed him. And Mark Grace just looked out and said, would you just hit me and get it over with? <laughs> because he understood that but yeah. now going back to the that we had a conference in the 90s between chicago and milwaukee it was all baseball people jerry manuel who was the manager of the white Sox at the time was there and then a bunch of us some were still playing some were still coaching some were out but all of us had professional baseball david nilson who's an australian who played for the brewers for many years he dropped the question is it all right for a christian to intentionally hit another batter. Every one of us in that room said, well, of course it is. If it's not done out of revenge, right? It's like a, it's like a parent disciplining his child. You're not doing it out of revenge. It's not personal. You're telling this person that's not how this game is supposed to be played. Not trying to hurt them. I, I'm going to give his name away. He's been around long enough. But when I played for Dusty Baker, he would say, you know, you don't want to hurt him, but you want to hit him. So when his wife rolls over at night and puts her arm around him, he says, babe, 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 that hurts. Right. So that was my mindset. <laughs> so that was my mindset. But then we started talking. Well, what does the rule book say? Right. Right. Because we are to submit to the authorities over us, unless, of course, it would be contrary to God's word. Well, the rule book says you cannot intentionally throw at another batter. Mm-hmm. And and it was an interesting conversation. So and and <laughs> you guys might decide I need to. I really need an inquisition after this one. So from that point on, and I told, I told all my pitchers this. Whenever I was a pitching coach, pitching coordinator, I said, there are times when you have to throw a baseball as close to the batter as you can without hitting him. Because I, I know that it's almost impossible to do that and not hit the guy. But then when the press comes to you after the game, yeah. when the press comes to you after the game says, did you intentionally throw at him? You can honestly say, no, I didn't. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. That, that is like plausible deniability. I love that, that is, that is, that is worth this whole podcast. To hear that right there. This I week on it. the doxology podcast, how to skirt the law of God. 
<laughs> but you know, like there are, there are, there. This, this is great because you, there, there are so many things in life uh, that we're facing even now that are nuanced, and they're 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 not necessarily black and white. And we want to, we want to root our thinking in Scripture. We want to root our thinking in in God's Word, and and God's Word may not be explicit, you know, explicit in you know, defining the moral line for us and some of these kinds of things. And I, I mean, I think I, I, I love to hear a, I love to hear the inside scoop on that, the conversation, but I also love to hear, you know, you're, you, you, you wrestle and you think through that and we, we, we don't want to, we don't want to sin. Uh, but there are things inherent in sport that, you know, at times you, you have to at, at least live in some kind of tension there. I, I mean, cause I get it. Uh, I, 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 my my athletic career now is reduced to church league softball and basketball, and so it's it's hard as a pastor to go go out there and compete in such things and not let my competitive juices start flowing again and just beam the pastor of the uh, of the Anglican <laughs> Church right in the head. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I had I, I got convicted about doing bat flips and slow pitch softball. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Those aluminum <laughs> things will fly too. Holy smokes! Mark, I got, I hate- you know, I, I can just I can just see you during a baptism Sunday. You know, you hold them down just enough so they know they're being baptized, and you'll let them up at the last second. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I hate that I have to go, but this was such so good, man. I really appreciate your time and coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we'll just end it there. I mean, that's a good note to end on. So, uh, Mark, let us know uh, where people can find you, find uh, your podcast and your ministry and all that good stuff. Well, the podcast and the biblical exhortations are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. So it's flfnetwork.com. You can get the app and you can look at those podcast drops every Monday morning. Up and Ready, which is the biblical exhortation drops Mondays through Saturdays in the evening. Um, the ministry, you could go to athletesabroadforchrist.org. Now, our website's under some updating of things, but you'll still get the gist of what we're about at yep. athletesabroadforchrist.org. Very cool. Hey, and, and, uh, uh, and uh, real, real quick, Cody, I want to I point out something that, uh, that I pointed yeah. out before recording that I just find is, uh, is neat. And, uh, and Mark, uh, you know, you played for, for my hometown farm team when, when I was a kid, uh, the Clinton Giants over in Iowa. And uh, I found that as a, as a cool connection. So, it really was. Uh, thanks uh, for, so for as indirect as it may have been, thanks for being part of my childhood. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, thanks, <laughs> thanks for being gracious when I point out that it was part of my childhood. <laughs> yeah, we, we could we could look at that a little differently, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, Mark. Thanks for coming on. You're more than welcome to come back any any time, and uh, and we'll we'll inquire. We'll uh, we'll submit more Inquisition questions your way. That'd be wonderful. Anytime, I'd be happy to. We'll see you next week.